We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the True Faith Podcast, Southampton nil, Newcastle United nil, and we're here to talk about it for you for about half an hour, 40 minutes, so I bet you can't wait for that. It's myself, Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, and just a quick uh, mention before we get into the flow of things, True Faith have partnered with Fansbet, who are a new online bookmaker who promises to share 50% of their net profit from tagged accounts for causes that matter the most to fans. The business is about fans and run by match-going supporters, and we at True Faith are delighted to be partnering with them, having met the guys who are involved. If having a bet is part of your match day and something you enjoy doing on football, racing, or any sport, you can download the Fans Bet app to sign up. If you do, please select Newcastle United as your club, obviously, even if you don't support Newcastle and just listen to this podcast for some reason. Um, and select True Faith. Um, you will. You're basically, if you lose a bet, fifty percent of it will come back to us to keep this podcast free of charge and some other charitable stuff we're working on. Um, you know, if you don't don't bet, don't start. It's not for you. We're not trying to push gambling onto people. But uh, fans, but have already helped to make a difference in the fan community, contributing to fanzines, supporters trust, support our travel, um, and also making a significant contribution to uh, the first safe standing installation in England at Shrewsbury Town. Uh, head to blog.fansbet.com to read more about that and the other charitable and good causes they have done by punters like me and Norman who like a bet on football, um, occasionally losing the odd bet and then 50% of those losses going <laughs> back to good causes. So if you do like gambling, it makes sense because if you lose, then 50% of it, you know, 100% of the money's not going through to the bookmaker, it's going back to a good cause like True Faith if you want or any of the other good causes listed on the Newcastle United page. So... Thanks to Fansbet for their support. And Norman, you uh, you know, you were also given some top support yesterday, as I've heard the Match Day podcast for patrons, which has already gone down very well. Um, at Southampton, in the away ends, Norman, tell me about your day. Good day overall? Absolutely brilliant day, mate. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the match. I mean, you can take you can take the match out of me saying absolutely brilliant. The match didn't really form part, it doesn't really form part of that. Um, but if I, if I look at the day as a whole in terms of the people I was with, um, Getting getting starting early, you know. I think we we met at Waterloo Station at half nine, so our first pint was was decked at quarter to ten. Um, that's always always a nice way to start your day, obviously. Um, not that I'm encouraging alcohol abuse, especially during the week on a work day. It's terrible. But um, I just uh, really really good, really good. Uh, people got down to Southampton, went to this crack and boozer called the Rockstone. Had had some had some good bait. Um, got a walk up to the ground, got went into a pub with a load of Southampton fans who were who were absolutely spot on. Um some good conversations about Mark Hughes and and what they think of him. Um and you know the, the match itself uh, will as I say we'll go into that but in terms of the atmosphere I thought the Newcastle fans were pretty were pretty solid. Um 
Southampton fans, not so much, but you know, we know why that is. Um, and I, a, a decent journey back, talking again, talking to people on the train, bumping into some a group of Geordie lads who were staying in London for the night and uh, asking for recommendations. So I sent them down to Shoreditch, so they're probably still gunning, to be honest with you. Interesting that what were the Southampton fans view of Mark Hughes? Um, the, the whole they all know that he got the job because he kept them up, and they were like, you know, we know it's not long term. Um, none of us will be surprised if he's gone by the end of the season. Um, the football's absolutely dire, um, and just that, uh, just that. Even as we've said, even though there's this kind of, you know, he got the job because he saved them from relegation. You know, they weren't in the relegation zone when he took over, and um, yeah, you could. There's an argument that they were a sinking ship, but they didn't really change, the, improve their form that much on him. I think they only won one or two games, didn't they? Um, and both of those were away. Was it only one game they won under him? Um, and they managed to scrape enough points together to stay up. And yeah, they're just, they're just, they're just fully aware that um, it's, uh, it's one of those where if he lasts to the end of the season, then he'd probably be gone pre-season. Fair enough. Uh, enough of him and enough of them. And on to the delightful world of Newcastle United. It is just such good fun at the minute, isn't it? Uh, no goals again, a point <laughs> on the road, a clean sheet. Uh, there's various things you can take or various things you can get worried about from this one. Um, first of all, how was the away end at the final whistle? Was it was it still supportive? Was it kind of appreciative of, of what the scene or was there a little bit of frustration kicking in? I, I don't recall any frustration. Um, I think I think the, the vast majority just headed straight for the exits, which is understandable. Um, I mean, that's preferable to standing there in Boone. That, that's for sure. But... Uh, the fans who stayed behind, the way that you know the players came over, Rafa came over. Uh, there was a lot of kind of, you know, hands up in the air, applauding, um, supportive singing, and I think, I think as you, you know, as as we go into Rafa after the match, kind of, you know, alluded to the fans understanding the situation that we're in, and I think, and I think yesterday was was a, I think it was a good a good display of support, and um, also, the there was quite a lot of quite a lot of passionate singing as well. So there wasn't I didn't pick up on any neg- negativity whatsoever. Um, and even even the frustration that we we all undoubtedly felt, I don't think that, as tends to be the case at home matches, filtered down on the pitch. I think there was a, I hate to say it, but there's a, there's a to a certain extent there's there's an apathy if you know what I mean. Um, it's kind of this is what we are, so what's the point in whinging about it? You know what I mean. Well, we're going to come on to that later in terms of people who have certainly made plans to just not accept it uh, in terms of the planned protest by the Magpie Group. We'll talk more about that later on in the show. Yes, uh, interesting that, and also not not entirely unsurprising. We're going to get on to performances, tactics, and all that. But Norman, for you, before going to the manager's point of view, was it a good point? I mean, again, Norman does uh, the Match Day podcast for patrons. Uh, patrons pay five pound a month for uh, roughly four shows per week extra on uh, the Premier League and Newcastle United. Um, obviously, we'll have quite a few different variety of shows. We can't just talk about Newcastle not scoring goals all the time. But if you like the podcast and want to get involved, give it a try. Norman's match day podcast was recorded before um, at before the game, at the game, and after the game yesterday to give an instant reaction from the away end. Norman, you were you were constantly saying on the match day podcast, you'll take a point, you'll take a point, you'll take a point. So we, we are happy with the point. Um, right, so. <laughs> I kept saying I'd take a point because we were so poor that you just knew we weren't going to score. Um, so it was a case of, and I, and I think I said this um, probably repeatedly, so if anyone's listening to this for the you know the hundredth time, I'm sorry, but uh, I was a little bit under the influence yesterday, um, as, as people might have picked up on. But um, the the reason that I kept saying I'd take a point is because I was so fearful of losing, mate. Um, if they had scored a goal, there is absolutely no way we would have got anything. It's quite it's as simple as that. I, I genuinely, I hate to say it, but... A point was was the best. It was the best I could have hoped for. Um, it was it was obvious from sort of 
the first, within within the first five to ten minutes that like both sides were really really scared of losing, um, and it really kind of um, debilitated both sides' performances. Um, and then you know as the game wore on, you're thinking, um, regardless of Hughes being an atrocious manager. They've got weapons that they could, you know, that might that, that might be used there. They've got players who can just spark something out of nothing. You know, they've got players who can who can help the ball from long distance in the top corner. They, you know, they've got they've got four really dangerous forwards who are caught, well, being clearly aren't being coached properly and being underutilized and they're not used tactically um, in the way they should be. So my my paranoia and my kind of let's just get a point. I'll be happy with the point was was because I didn't think we were capable of getting anything else. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, that's fair enough and the manager said after the game that he thought it was a good point he, po- he pointed to the clean sheet uh, it's away from home uh, I rarely disagree with Rafa I disagree with him here uh, had we beaten Brighton or Cardiff it would have been a good point had we got a 2 all draw or created lots of chances I think it would have been a good point um, but we, can't, we, we cannot score goals um, and we're picking up points in the games, we should be targeting three. The Brighton defeat was an absolute mm. hammer blow um, to this season. And I, I understand people are remaining positive and I, I have a lot of respect for them and I, I can see where they're coming from. And I'm not saying we're definitely going to get relegated, but um, we're going to come on to individual players in a minute. But, you know, um, it's just... I think Southampton and Brighton are two really, really, really poor sides. And I know, and I know Brighton are um, flying the, what, the, what they up to now, um, you know... 15 point, 12, 15 points or something with a win over Wolves yesterday but I, I'm, I'm severely concerned about this side's ability to stay in the Premier League now I know Cardiff are shit and I know Huddersfield are shit and I know Fulham are shit all those teams I imagine will spend money um, proper real money uh, not you know short term loan deals or emergency loan deals on, the, on deadline day um, in January and I think that our inability to not it's not it's not even our inability to score. I remember years ago Leicester couldn't score um, when they went down um, under uh, Dave Best. Dave Best, I think. Dave, no, not Tony Adams. Dave, Dave Bassett. Oh, Mickey Adams might have taken charge at the end of that season. Leicester couldn't score, and you had like Adi Arkenbay just missing chances for fun, like open goals and that. That's different to this. Um, that's we, we, we don't look like even creating a chance. Never mind scoring a goal. And the amount of times it's a chicken and egg thing. We need confidence to win a game. We won't get confidence by winning a game. So what has to come first? And you need a little bit of bravery from the players. And I'm not questioning their overall effort, okay? Um, but you need there's too many easy passes. There's too many knock the ball after Paul Dummett, who's in space because he's in space by the way because the opposition leave him mm. in space because they don't have to worry about him from an attacking point of view. There's too many um, shots from distance when uh, a pass is required. There's too many crosses to nobody. Just whip the ball in, Matt Ritchie. Just, just, just get a ball in the box. There's no one there, and the, and, the, and the lads who are there are like four foot. But just get a ball in. There's no very few runs in behind. <laughs> um, and, and, and in the first half, I thought yesterday, Norman, uh, Southampton not really vulnerable at the back. I thought you know, particularly with balls mm-hmm. over the top, particularly when Perez and Muto kind of like swarmed mm-hmm. around a, a defender and put them on any kind of pressure at all. And it required that maybe step five, ten yards up the pitch to have a spell in the game where you thought, you know what, for the next few minutes we're, we're going to put them on the back foot. And it just, for whatever reason, it just doesn't happen in any game, really, apart from the start of the Brighton game. Um, and as, as soon as we get, uh, you know, I've heard arguments, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit for next week, about 
do a go all out against Watford or do a try and nick one in the second half. But I don't think we can nick a goal. I think the longer the game goes on without mm-hmm. us scoring, um, the longer, the, the, the less likely, likely it is for us to score. And I think you saw that against Brighton and you saw that last week. You also saw it against Man United. Um, and, and, and no doubt and get, Arsenal's another perfect example of that. So for me, I'm, I'm a lot more worried than, than, I, than I want to be. And uh, I, I like the positivity coming from many, but um, this team just reminds me of, a, of our relegation sides in the past. The only thing is there's, a, there's less quality in this team than those teams and there's more application. But, you know, I, you know, I go back to key games in the relegation seasons where we missed big chances. We're not even missing big chances anymore. Um, what, in the last two games, would you, argue, would you argue Perez, which wasn't even a chance we created? Um, I suppose Muto's header over the bar as well, but like in two games against Brighton, who can't win away from home, and Southampton, who can't win at home, we've not we've not tested the keeper properly. We've not we've not hit the bar. We've not had a penalty turned down. We just look like we are treading water and trying to stay afloat. But no one really believes it. I don't think the manager really believes we're good enough. I don't. I, I certainly don't believe we're good enough. And I don't believe the players think we're good enough. I mean, I sat in front of Lee Charnley a few weeks ago at the fans forum who, who said that um, the players believe that the squad this season is, is, is better than last season. Well, why do you ask them again, Lee? Or was that just something that was a convenient soundbite for the night to try and mask the total um, ineptitude of you and your boss in terms of running this football club? Uh, Rafa, after the game, said, I thought it was a good point, like I said, um, normally, we normally keep the like the Lord of the Rings um, analogies for patrons, but uh, not that they're <laughs> remotely popular. But you know, at um, Helm's Deep, when like uh, Legolas is kicking off, saying like, "Look at all these man, we're going to get smashed," and then King Theoden's like, yeah. "No, like, how are we going to we're going to beat these? <laughs> Be fine." And Legolas is like, "What are you on about?" And he's like, "Well, I have to I have to say something. <laughs> you know, that I I were going to get smashed, but we we'll, we'll may as well pretend, keep spirits. I feel I feel like that's rough yeah. at the minute." Um, and he's just saying these things in press conferences to because what what else can he say? He can't go out there and say, yeah, we're really up against it or I'm really worried. You know, he said before the, the Southampton game, he was convinced we were going to go and win the game at Southampton. Well, we didn't. We didn't even look like winning and Southampton are fucking shit. So that's me being very negative, Norman. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you agree with him with that or are you a little bit more positive than me? I, I agree with everything you say. Um, I might be a little bit more positive. In, I'm actually now what am I talking about? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm scared. I'm very scared. Um, on the on the Lord, just on the Lord of the Rings, mate. I like the fact that you quoted exactly as the um, the script. I think, I think they were told. Um, told the them exact words. Uh, Howe, uh, Howe, what's going on? We'll beat these man. I, um, I, I exactly. Legolas is a jury, but um, the uh, the. You're right. I mean, we're at the we're in at the stage now where what this will be our eleventh match of the season against Watford. Like, it's almost like what's the, what's the point in a point? You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're, like we're, if we need a win, we're so desperately need a fucking win that we've got to gun and we've got to gun for it. We've got to gun for the jugular, and and if that means that we're smashed by Watford because Watford are a good side. Like, there's no two ways about it. They've got some very good players and they've got a really good manager. Um, and you know, there's every chance to do like they did last season, two or three nil. But at the same time, I'd I'd rather like I'm at the stage you know I'd rather we lost um, and, and actually went for it than than scraped out a point because the points it's what 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 difference is it going to make now you know we need we need a win so desperately like you see we've just got to gun um, and we've got to we've got to take the risks um, yesterday again you know I'm not this isn't me questioning Rafa I mean because what the hell do I know compared to this man um, however what I what I maybe given given the 
the lack of confidence in Southampton's defence, given how nervy they looked. And I've said this a million times, they've got really good players, they've just got a bad manager. But yesterday, I almost thought to myself, you know, like a 4-3-3, playing 4-3-3 against them, like three forwards bombing onto them, that would have that would have really shook them, I think. But um, then again, you start thinking, well, who, who would we actually put as a front three? You know, like we got players who can, who can do any damage. It's... I, I just you just don't know you don't know what the answers are at the minute, do you? Like it's it's like you see it's it's looking really bleak and it and it does have that that feeling of of other relegation seasons where we almost look like we've just completely run out of ideas. You know, like what 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 do we do, mate? What do we do against Watford? You know, like I I think we should gun for it. I really do, um, and I think we should take the the risk of of losing. Um, but at the same time, like. Did the players pick up confidence from keeping a clean sheet yesterday and getting a point? Would a 2-0 defeat next week at Watford at home, even though they went for it? Would that be worse worse for confidence than a, than scraping out a 0-0 draw? Um, it's just, uh, we're just in a very, very difficult situation. And um, I desperately need a win. But at the same time, where the hell is it going to come from? Yeah, and on, on that same same vein, it's one that we talked, um, me inside a tactical show through the week for patrons, and we said that, the two games last season, Stoke and West Ham, were when the shit hit the fan, and and we were based. Rafa was based like, right, we're going to go for it here. Um, he played four three three with Atsu, Murphy, and Perez up front at Stoke. Won the game, created loads of chances. Mm. He played four four two with Gale and Hosselu up front against uh, West Ham away, uh, and again we created loads of chances. Won that game three two. I thought yesterday was that day. I thought he was. We were going to see. I mean, Murphy didn't even mm. make the bench. Um, I thought we were going to see a far more attack inside, and Rafa can only deal with the the tools that are available. And you know, this is this this is like almost <laughs> blasphemous. But if we're going to continue, particularly at home, to just hoy balls in the box relentlessly, you may as well play Hoslu because he is a good header of the ball. Um, yeah, no, he's not good at much else. But it's like that was the. F- f- I mean. I couldn't have done the Brighton podcast, the post-Brighton podcast, if we'd won 5-0, so it wasn't a case of not doing it because we got beat. But um, I really wanted to say, and then I think Adam and Ben did touch on it, that the tactics at, at home to Brighton just seemed completely at odds with the team that were on the pitch. And we've mentioned it loads of times. You've got Shelby dropping deeper and deeper and deeper, picking the ball up from the back, uh, from the centre-backs, which is bad. Um, that's pretty much a reaction to Lejeune's absence and trying to force things. Shelby needs to be in the opponent's half of the pitch doing damage, not not next door on centre backs. And then Diame, um, whose simple job last season was to stop counter attacks and win the ball and play it to Shelby, is being found out more and more as not a very good footballer in terms of his his, his ability on the ball. Um, so there's there's all sorts going wrong. A win can fix everything. That's important. If we go out and beat Watford next week. Then you know everyone's happy. We're going to Bournemouth. We'll beat them, and then all of a sudden you're like 14th and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it, it, it's not the end. There is definitely scope for this to turn around. We've got the best possible manager in the world, in my opinion, uh, to be able to, to be able to do that and get that out of those players. But there is going to be a point, and it'll be interesting when it comes when we get to West Ham away next year. When at West Ham away in the relegation zone, and Rafa was like, "Right, fuck this. We're going to have to have a right go." Obviously, West Ham being ridiculously open and bad was a big help uh, where Southampton you know for all Mark Hughes's comments about um, Newcastle playing defensive which we were he's, he's not wrong and playing for a point I, I also agree with him um, I thought I thought Southampton were really negative for the first 70-75 minutes before they really started getting men ahead of the ball mm-hmm. and it was very much a case of if he'd lost that game he may, he may have lost his job but again Southampton hadn't scored now in five games they haven't won at home since November 2017 and if, if we can't go and create a chance against that 
uh, that's what concerns me the most and it doesn't mean I definitely think we're going to get relegated but Norman here's the here's the real thing for me say we finish 17th how would you feel um, if Rafa guns um, well if there's no if about it is it he's, he's, he's gone at the end of the season um, how would I feel um I don't know, I mean, because what, what what would next season be? You know what I mean? We finished seventeenth. That's the thing. What's next season gonna be, Rafa? Going? I know it's like it's almost it's almost like well, um, it's almost I, I, there's, there's nothing I've, I could, like, I've got no I've, I've got no thoughts on either way. It's almost like well, if Rafa's gone and then and we're going into the championship, then so be it. You know what I mean? Like so be it. Um, he keeps us up. Ashley gets another season of Premier League, gets the money again, puts in a patsy as a manager because they obviously you know. He's realised that he can't have somebody with the individual personality and determination of, of Rafa Benitez in charge. He needs a he needs a patsy. Um, so we'll get one, and we'll struggle next season, and we'll limp on, and we we'll might finish seventeenth again, or we we'll might get relegated. That's that's the future on the Mike Ashley mate. So how would I feel? I'd feel like I feel right now, like almost bereft of emotion. That, that's you know the thing I mean? for me. It's like yeah, I mean a lot of people tweeted me last night when I. Said on on both platforms, me at TF Alex eighteen ninety two and at TF Weekly Pod that I said it wasn't a decent point, and and people quite rightly commented saying, you know what Rafa said, and we'll stay up and think we can stay up. It's like that was last season. That was that was last season thinking we can stay up. Um, it's like we'll stick. We'll finish seventeenth this season or sixteenth or fifteenth, and and how will you feel? What will your emotion be? Will it be relief? Will it be elation? Or, or we're turning into Sunderland and look at them for all for all the Sunderland fans. Um, boasts and bizarre claims about, um, you know, about being third in League One, um, and how much fun they're having and how great it is. There's still like, you know, large swathes of people who just don't go to the games and don't show an interest in 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 playing against. No disrespect to them in terms of, I think I'm sure they're fantastic football clubs, but I don't want to watch League One football. Um, I don't really want to watch Championship football. Truth be told, I will, of course. Um, but it's like if we if we stay up, um, I don't. I would take no joy from that. Just just staying up and scraping it, like you say, Rafa leaving and a, a new dickhead manager coming in in the shape of Pardew, um, who's never going to question what little funds um, he's given and what you know ludicrous players are put in front of him. In the case of Kevin Keegan, because the thing about this lot is they learn nothing. I sat in a room in front of Lee Charlie and and seen the fact they think they're doing a bang up job of running this football club. They think they're doing a great job, fantastic job. They they are the best possible people to run this football club. And as Lee said, Lee Charlie, Mike thinks he's done a brilliant job saving Newcastle United. So just pretend you're that stupid um, for a minute and you're Mike Ashley and you, you, you go and then you're watching that yesterday and you're thinking back to 2008 thinking oh well um, would be like the, the, the you know Leeds if uh, <laughs> if I hadn't come in so everything he does after this point according to Lee you know Lee Charney didn't mention anything else um, it's just been fantastic it's been good it's been positive so well done Mike thanks for this we're fucking enjoying it um, so ultimately the whole thing feels a bit pointless so what 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 can we do? What options have we got? Well, all we can try and do is try and force the owner out. It may seem nonsensical. It may seem like impossible, but from my perspective, Norman, and we're going to get onto the protests now before getting back onto the match yesterday. I'd rather try and fail than just do nothing, than just sit back and let mm-hmm. him ruin this football club any more than he already has. Um, so, Norman, the Magpie Group have come out with um, key statements. From yesterday, uh, not yesterday, I think it was Friday, they released them uh, a series of 
planned protests, very organised, um, many weeks in advance. I think it's really positive move by the group and all credit to the people who are spending their spare time to come up with things like this. So really quickly, next week against Watford, a mass flyer handout pre-match, pro- post-match protests at the Melbourne reception. So after the match, uh, head down to the Melbourne reception, the, the atrium, the glass atrium, the players' entrance, so people like Lee Charney and Mike Ashley can get to hear and know what um, what people are saying. Now, the fact that uh, this has been announced, will Mike actually turn up to the game? Let's see. Um, there's no protest uh, against Bournemouth in respect of the, rem- the remembrance services and the armed forces on the day. Uh, on the international weekend, the Magpie group are heading down to the Shirebrook head office, Sports Direct head office. Join us as we head to Sports Direct HQ. You know, get in touch with the Magpie group if you want to go, if you live locally, if you live in the south of England, get involved. Or, and I think they're going to be putting buses on from up here. Big one on the 11th. Uh, sorry, on the 1st of December. Um, have an extra point before joining us for the match for an 11th minute walk-in. This is a big one. This is one, if you're not if you're not that keen on boycotting, which I'm going to come on to, go into the match 11 minutes late. It, it, it's not a big thing. It's not a massive part of your day. Um, and it, let's face it, Newcastle can't score, so you're not going to miss much. Um, and it will send huh. a message out visually um, to the world. Um, you know, there's, there's the argument that the Premier League is... is beamed into one billion homes on a Saturday around the world um, you know those people don't really potentially some of them don't really know exactly what's going on or who Mike Lashley is or what sports director but they will recognise empty seats at Newcastle United because it doesn't happen very often um, joint protest uh, at sports director in Liverpool against Evan and then the big one which I'll come come back to a total boycott against Wolves um, and then the 22nd against Fulham Northumberland Street protest Strawberry Place protest Melbourne Reception protest and another um, joint protest against Sports Direct in Liverpool uh, on Boxing Day so Norman the two big ones there um, my simple questions to you before I get your thoughts um, are you going to be walking in to West Ham 11 minutes late and will you be boycotting Wolves Aye and Both why count. is that um, because it it's if it, it feels like I'm at least feels like I'm putting up a fight as you know as a, as a fan of this football club um, against a, a regime that is just utterly abhorrent um, and he's been allowed he's just been allowed to get away with it for ten years and I know, I know there was the I mean the big protest against Spurs a few seasons back that did seem to spur him into action pre season I mean you know getting McLaren was a mistake but the, there was quite a bit of money spent. Um, um, and if if anything, I mean, I, I, I hate seeing it, but I just don't see Ashley going anywhere for a while. But this action, if it, even if it, even if it makes him, you know, spend money in the January transfer window, it's it's achieved, it's achieved something. Um, and as you say, with um, with the Premier League football being beamed all over the world, um, empty seats will go down. Um, people will recognise it. People will go, why is that the case? They might Google it, whatever country, and they'll Google it and say. You know why? Why Newcastle United? Why is it empty seats? Why the boycotting? And the more people that know about it, the more pressure it puts on Mike Ashley because um, he's only concerned with one thing. He's only concerned with Sports Direct and making money. And um, if they're affected anyway, which they will be by boycotts and they will be by people actually reading how abhorrent his business practices are, then it's it's going to it's going to have an impact. Whether it gets rid of him or not, who knows? But what it might do is it might spur him into some some sort of action because um, at the minute it's just he's just letting the club die. Um, and the fans, the Magpie group, anyone involved, they, they're the people trying to resuscitate it. And if I can be part of that, then, then I'm going. Well said, and I, I totally agree with you. Um, there's an article now on the True Faith site. I'll post a link to it on the uh, description of this podcast called "Who Are You?" 
and it's by it's just gone online this morning by uh, David Crozier and um, presents a strong case for boycott. Now, anyone who doesn't want to boycott or go to the West Ham games, they're not the enemy. Okay, you are not the like if if you want to go to the match, you're not my enemy. You're not my you know Mike Ashley is our enemy. Um, he's the only enemy, and the people that work from and, and continue to do great damage to this football club, willful damage as well. It's not accidental; it's willful. Um, but but I don't want to see fellow supporters abused or criticised or whatever. Um, you can speak general terms about supporters, but I'm not going to ever you know look someone in the eye and, and, and say anything negative to them because they want to go and support their football team. However, um, there's a great line in, in this piece by David and it says, if you go to the match on the 9th of December 2018, you will be saying, I'm with Mike. I cast my vote for your manifesto, Mr. Ashley. 11 more years of this, please. You won't be back in black and white. You'll be red and blue. Um, you know, and he makes the point, nearly everyone has missed a game because of a holiday, a wedding, illness. The club is now ill. It needs our help. Newcastle United has a cancer at its heart, a dark tumour slowly killing it. How can you literally sit there and do nothing? That's that's David's words, and I think they're really they're quite hard hitting words. But I get where he's coming from, and I just I just feel if you support Newcastle United, if you want Newcastle United to be what it's supposed to be, you won't go to that game on the eleventh, on the ninth. Sorry, um, yeah, don't go to the game on the eleventh either. That'll do because there is no game. But um, it's uh, it's it's now or never, and and we've got this we've got this man we've got this manager who ninety nine point nine percent of the the fan base is is has come together for and continues to spend money for in terms of the money we put into this football club, um, and to have this chance as a as a fan base and and let it go because for whatever reason you've never missed a match or you like supporting the team or it's your daily routine or, or whatever like that. Just I would just I would plead don't go to the match on that day and go in late against West Ham and. Maybe maybe it is pointless. Maybe the naysayers who have never organised anything in their lives are right. Maybe maybe they're right and we're wrong. But I'd ra- I'd rather be wrong and try than just accept that we can't get rid of them. So that's my take on it. Really interested to hear everybody who's listening's views. All views welcome, of course. Um, we're probably going to be podcasting quite a a bit on this because it's so important uh, in the run up. But um, I I think I sing at the match. Fuck off, you cockney bastard. Get out of our club and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to get him out of our club because he is that damaging to Newcastle United. I mean, you've already seen, you've already seen the backlash, the carefully constructed PR backlash against the Magpie Group. So you had, um, you know, the night of the, the Magpie Group meeting, the players being taken to this ridiculous um, pizza place. Um, not that that place is ridiculous, but the idea of it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Magpie Group have released that on Friday this morning through Lee Ryder, who seems close to the club. Um, there is a, a story that Rafa Benitez, who, let's not forget, was already offered a contract in the summer, um, but has been offered a new flexible contract. And to quote Lee Ryder, but probably Lee Charlie, but, you know, we'll, 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 who knows where the, so- the source of this story is. Um, this is what it says. Um this is about Mike Ashley returning. This is in the Chronicle this morning. His return to the scene at Newcastle is understood to be down to his own personal desire to improve the relationship between himself, Benitez, Charnley, and the squad in general. Um, Horseshit. Yeah, I don't have the words for that paragraph. I think the, the Chronicle should be embarrassed about about printing that. Mm-hmm. And that you, you can print it, but with a fuck-off massive caveat. 
um, because Newcastle United, remember, Lee Charlie, fans forum, you've all read the minutes, I was there. The club tried to break a transfer record three times this summer, allegedly, according to them. Three times they tried to break the transfer record and we ended up with Rondon on loan, Mudo, Shaw. Uh, yeah, the, the club tried to break its transfer record three times. So, how about, Mike, you stay away from the matches. You're not welcome. No one wants you there, as you know, because 49,000 people st- stood stand-up if you hate Ashley against Leicester and you, th- you thought it was really funny. Um, you know, don't don't come to the games. Sell the club. And if, if, if you can't sell the club or you won't sell the club, um, just, just, g- just give the manager what he wants and sign some really good footballers in January. Fuck off with your... Uh, articles in the Chronicle and your you know ridiculous contract offers and your PR and your spin and all this bullshit. Just give Benitez what he wants. The idea that Mike Ashley returning to the scene is going to improve the relationship between himself, Rafa, and Ch- like Charlie and the squad in general is um, is laughable. And anyone lapping this up, uh, I'm not even gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna have a good uh, people. But it also says Ashley was disappointed that things turned toxic behind the scenes in the summer when the players were involved in a bonus. Involved in a bonus. Well, that's that's brilliant, brilliant journalism. <laughs> we're involved. I presume it's, it should say we're involved in a like a, a bonus dispute, but it just says we're involved in a bonus. But feels like the tension has eased since the club's <laughs> pizza summit in Pontyland. What the actual fuck? Like pizza, pizza summit. But, it says but, pizza like, summit. First of all, I was again. I was in the fans' forum, and Charlie said that bonus disputes were normal at Premier League clubs. The only thing is, everything here gets leaked. Well, I actually take issue with them saying that because it was the players refusing to do Sky. Interviews that seemed to leak the story that was pretty, a pretty big thing. But Lee Charlie, it is normal. He knows of other Premier League clubs this summer that bonus disputes they are absolutely normal. See, I, I, I think that's a lie. I think it's bollocks. Now, maybe it's not mm-hmm. a lie that there was another dispute with a Premier League club, but I don't think it's normal. Um, and I think the fact that it's caused such problems whilst Ashley's been at the club. Um, and for Ashley to say he solved that by taking the lads for a pizza, I mean, what's he said to them? We're going to spend money in January. We're going to invest. But we've, we've heard it all before. You've got a bloke just last year, just last season, saying Rafa Benitez will get every single penny that this football club generates. And yet he took, according to the Telegraph, £10 million out himself. So the bloke is a fucking liar. And I've got the Chronicle, or we've got the Chronicle here, printing this absolute horse shit, you know, Mark Douglas has been on the show many times. I like him. He's a good journalist. There are loads of good lads who write who write for the, the Chronicle and some of the output. But putting bullshit like this out is just damaging, in my opinion, and I'm disappointed. And it's not it's 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 poor, in my opinion. And it, you know, it makes me think for this this article for the writer, whose side is he on? Um, because this is just absolute horseshit. I've I've gone off topic now. I've just started rambling about how much I fucking hate these people. But there we go, Norman. Um, you'll be boycotting. I'll be boycotting. I hope you will be too. Right, let's talk about some football again, Norman. I've been talking for ages, so you need to do some talking. Uh, the big the big discussion is about Perez and Diame. Your thoughts on both uh, performances for both? Um, Perez was more or less non-existent. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's tough to, to lay all the, the blame um, on him for that. You know, there was just absolutely... There was just zero creativity. Um you know, you, you, it's not like Perez can just magic things out of thin air when he's not even getting the ball at all, which is pretty much what happened yesterday. Um, and a lot of that's down to the fact that, as you've already mentioned, Shelby's having to like, sit so deep that he's it's stifling his creativity. Um, then you've got um, Diarmi, who I don't think was particularly poor yesterday in doing what he can and what he can do, what he can only do, which is break up play 
win tackles. That's it. That that's his game. You know, there's not there's nothing else to it. There's no there's no kind of creativity there. He's not gonna he's not gonna skin a player. He's not gonna hit an outrageous shot. You know, um, he's he's a he's a workhorse. He's a he's what he's what I suppose years ago would have been called a water carrier and nothing more. Um, and that's just you know that that's more that's more a damning indictment of the of the regime. You've just so um, eloquently dismantled. Um, not not investing in in players of quality that can that can create chances that can do more than just you know run box to box tackling people. Um, we actually looked better when Key came on, and I really want to see Key start against Watford alongside Shelby. Um, Key not only offers the physical presence of the army, he can also pass. And he can play short passes. He can, he can he can play football alongside Shelby, and he can play really good long passes. I think he's I think he's a he's just a better footballer than than Moody Army, and and he's there, and he needs to be given a run in the side as far as I'm concerned. And um, Perez, again, Watford at home. Um, I'd rather see. I, I still I still think there's an argument that Perez is probably the best finisher um, at the club, but he's just got zero confidence at the moment. Um, so I think he needs to be he needs to be taken out the side, and I, and I'd, I'd go for. As you mentioned, um, as we spoke about in the preview, I think possibly Kennedy in the number ten role um, with Ron Dunn up front, or Mudo in the number ten role with Ron Dunn up front. That's that's what I want to see against Watford. I think um, I think the change needs to be made. I'm not I'm not saying that this is all the fault of Diarmi and Perez that poor performances or the non-existent performances. Um, I just think they've got they've got zero confidence, and we need something new. And I want I want to see Key in there, and I want to see um, a, a new front two. Simple as that. Fair enough. Um, what what what's happened to Perez? Why do you think he's where, where's the player from February to May last year gone? Um, but we we, we we well we know that there's a number of factors. Um, he's not playing up front with a player in Dwight Gale who just opened up so much space for him. Um, almost to the point where Gale was so busy occupying um centre halves and fullbacks with his with his kind of uh, you know flank to flank running and his movement that Perez was he was almost forgotten about and that's where he did his damage. He's, he's ghosting in behind. Players into the space, near post finishes, um, and he's not, he's not, he's that, that space just isn't there for him anymore. Um, so obviously that's affecting, and that's affecting his confidence. The fact he hasn't put the ball in there, the fact he's not really getting any chances. Yes, the Brighton chance last week, fair enough, but that came more from a mistake than anything we created in particular. Oh, sorry, it came from a Ryan making a save from a long range Shelby shot. So it was a kind of instinctive as opposed to well crafted chance. Um, also, you mentioned it before, we're going through the same kind of arguments. Lejeune not being in the back. Meaning that Shelby's sitting too deep, meaning that there's nothing, there's nothing kind of happening in a, in a forty yard space between probably, probably sort of thirty five yards out from more, but uh, our thirty five yard line to the edge of their box. It's like a no man's land. It's like we have got nothing in there. There's nothing happening um, because Shelby's having to play so deep. And yeah, Perez is just he's just not getting he's not getting anything. And you know what? You could say maybe he should start making things happen for himself, but. When you're not even receiving the ball, it's pretty difficult to do that, isn't it? I agree mostly with you. I think that sometimes he does get the ball and is very wasteful. He loves to check back, which is infuriating at times. Mm. You know, there was a time at Old Trafford, I think, we were possibly 2-0 up or 2-1 up just before they equalised, and he, he did check back and he rinsed whoever was Luke Shaw, maybe. Um, and then rather than just hitting the ball across the face of the box, he tried to, try to nutmeg Chris Smallen, and it was just like, it's too much, and... He seems a little bit muddled about his role in the team, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, I think he's got to be dropped. I, I like him as a player, and he's good in the box. But there was a time yesterday in the first half when we managed to break on them on the rare occasions in the game, and 
he took about three touches before playing the ball out to Kennedy and by the time he'd done that Southampton had retained a little bit of defensive shape and it's just like either fucking pass it first time so he's got Kennedy's got as much time and space to, 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 to like continue that run but it was it was a shit pass and Kennedy came inside and hit a defender with a shot and it was just like I don't think it, he's there mentally at the minute in terms of his role on the pitch um, and No it, I agree I agree Almost like last season I think he was dropped for that West Ham game Um Taking him the away, the away game, taking him out might be might be good for him. Might be, give him a break, and it, you could argue mm-hmm. the same with Matt Ritchie as well. Matt Ritchie's going through his usual October to January slump, which happens every year. Um, and it just I just feel like they, they could both do with a bit of a break. And we we need more pace in that team. We're, we're such a slow team. We're so pedestrian. Um, mm. You know, you look at that that counter attack goal against Southampton last year, which. Um, Perez played a huge part in. Let's not forget, and and that's the kind of clarity of thinking and, and ability that he's got when he when he does a little faint pass and delayed pass to Gale, who rolls it into Kel, to to Kennedy and, and Kennedy and Gale are rapid and Muto's fast. He's not as fast as Gale, but yeah, I think um, for me Rondon and and Muto have to start the next game. But there's a big fear factor here. There's a big mm-hmm. fear factor for me, Norman. It's basically Rondon a bust, isn't it? Like people are, yeah. are kind of hoping, expecting Rondon to come back in and and fix things, um, because that's not an unreasonable thing to hope for. Because what else, what else is there? Um, beyond that, you're looking at playing like uh, you know a Shearer Ferguson esque four four two with two just lads absolutely hammering centre halves and hoping to get something off the back of that. So that's a, a really important one. Uh, Norman, another question for you. Um, do we defend well? People have been telling me that we're still defending well. Do you think we'll defend well because Southampton had more than 20 shots yesterday? It just happens that most of them are terrible and off target, but are kind of worried how easy it was to get it with through the middle of the pitch um, and how how often we're kind of content to let players run 10, 15 yards with the ball and get a shot off outside the box. Um, your thoughts, though? Do you disagree? Do you think that we're defending well still? Um, I think the defence, they're defending well, but that's it. There's no there's no protection offered really by by the the midfielder and the um, and they were not really defending from the front. So if you look at the you look at the four individuals in defence, Yedlin, Nacelles, Fernandez, and Dummett, they're all individually defending well as of, as a unit. They they defend well, but they're not getting help from anywhere else. So that's why you get sides, you know, having twenty shots um, at goal because they're not really being stopped. Um, they're not really being stopped until they sort of get. Get in and around the box. Um, the you can I suppose you can compare it to Brighton. I thought Brighton defended well against us last week, despite the fact we had twenty odd shots. So I'm talking about Dunk, Duffy, and the two fullbacks performed defensively really well. But in the middle of the park, they were absolutely another you know, like a sieve, and that's kind of what we were like yesterday. So um, as a collective unit, the team isn't particularly defending well. No, um, as a, as a defence on its own, those players are playing well. Um, with Fernandez and Lascelles in particular, developing a really good understanding. Um, that doesn't mean we don't miss don't miss Lejeune because Lejeune offers so much more as a footballer than either of those two. But um, they they're defensively solid. Do you see the point I'm trying to make here? No, or am I just rambling? I, I, I totally agree with you. I think I think you're right as well. I think we'll look less of a cohesive defensive unit, but then we'll just look le- we'll just look like less of a football team this season compared to last. Um, Lascelles is. Oh, sorry, I've got a question for you, mate. A question for you after after you've answered this. Um, Wait, I remember. I want your opinion on the key Diarmuir um, situation. What, what, what? If you, if you agree with me or not? On that. I, I, I'm kind of. We have to change things. We have to. It's, it's just not happening. It, it, you know, you go back to Cardiff away, and it didn't happen there. 
absolutely not from an attacking point of view and nothing's changed since in my opinion um brighton was a little bit better but brighton are shit away from home um so yeah i definitely think that uh we'll have we'll just have to we'll have to try different things unfortunately um so i would absolutely give uh shelby and key uh, a, a game against uh against watford next week i also think Key played well against chelsea in that game um you know the the one what lucky to lose at the end but um yeah it, uh, do I think that Key and Rondon are going to turn this team from a team that can't even fashion a chance from open play? No, I don't. Um, particularly, uh, mm. it'd be interesting to see how we'll play against Watford, though, because Watford will have a lot of the ball. Uh, they're in good spirits and good confidence. I was expecting to see a, a rapid counter-attacking performance yesterday that I didn't get. Um, though we did do that at Manchester United in large parts. So, yeah, I'll play Key. Uh, I would try it. personally. I would away from home. I would just be packing the team with pace in terms of I'd be playing Kennedy, Muto, or Rondon, or you could even play you know Kennedy, Murphy, Muto, Rondon. They're all good options for a front three, like a mm. four-five-one or a four-three-three, four-five-one out of possession, four-three-three when we've got the ball and really try and push teams back. You know that's just that's just me as a fan frustrated that I've not seen Newcastle have a shot on anger for like six months. So. <laughs> You know, I think this is what is this the worst ever start to, a, to a, any season? I think in, in the club's history, possibly, or, or the, the worst start since the the uh, eighteen ninety eight nine season. So uh, for me, I'm just all for trying different things. It, going to the match at the minute, shit, it's not enjoyable. I'm not looking forward to Watford. Um, mm. You know, I'm I'm looking now. Should I be going to Burnley and Everton? No, two games that I would definitely normally do midweek and. It's not just because we're shit. I've, you know, we've been. You know, everyone listening to this is used to their football club being shit. It's not a new thing. Um, it's just the lack of purpose that gets me down uh, most of all, and the lack of desire from people within the football club to to be the best it can be. So why should I spend me Wednesday night in, in Liverpool taking time off work? So I'll probably still go. But that, that's just how I feel at the minute. Um, so, yeah, I'd change things. I'm, I'm rambling now to, uh, to answer your question. I'd, uh, I'd definitely hmm. change things um, as much as possible, to be honest with you. I don't think there's much you can do with the back four. Um, realistically, you could argue that, as well as Fernandes is playing, we'll miss Lejeune so badly in terms of being able to play the ball. That Shaw's worth a shout. Um, it was good to see him back on the bench yesterday. Yeah. I, I kind of said through the week on, on the podcast that, well, he can't even get on the bench. How bad must he be? And, and Rafa chose Kieran Clark ahead of him for the Arsenal game and possibly another couple of games so how bad must he be but the fact that he's back on the bench with Key did you say Key had a spare tyre on the match day podcast I, I dreamt that I'm pretty sure you did he, look, he, look, he looked he, he looked at me like he's carrying a bit of timber but it might be muscle um, uh, but he was on the pitch and I thought Christ he's looking um, he's looking wide around the hips many, let's see too many Toby um, Carveries we've all been there uh, too, exactly, exactly. Too many, um, too many pizzas at Rialto. He's got a thing for them now. <laughs> Mike, big Mike's got him up there on, on the pizzas, and uh, he can't stop it. He's up there slamming calzone. He's down. He's, he's chasing pizzas with calzone. That's what I reckon it is. Um, with a carbonara <laughs> dessert. Um, exactly, mate. I drinking the cream <laughs> shit out of um, the bowl. Yeah, but this the, this player who we're also talking about, one I'm desperate to see start. Um, you know, Muto Muto's a frustrating one because after the positive performance at Man U, Norman, he's just looked. All at sea the last two games, and then you've got Rafa after the game yesterday saying that he needs to learn how to play in the Premier League. What do you think Rafa means by that? Um, I think 
I think it's exactly what it is. He's a he's he's, he's a player with talent, um, but he's played his whole football career in um, in Japan and then a, a couple of years in Germany. Um, he's you know he's not kind of Premier League ready, which is which is a real shame. You know, so, some players will come from certain leagues and they're of such good quality. You know, they'll, they'll settle in straight away. Um, Muto is a good player, but he's not of that quality where he's just going to hit the ground running. Unfortunately, um, yes, he was good at, at Manu away, but there was a bit of a I suppose a bit of a, a surprise factor. Um, nobody saw that performance come from any of the players like the first sort of 60 minutes um, but I, th- I think what we're seeing now is is a player who's just inexperienced not only is he inexperienced in, in the Premier League he's also coming into a side that's got no confidence um, he's coming into a side in which you know you're looking at the kind of front the front two even arguably the front six if you include the midfielders that you know our offensive players aren't really sure what the roles are on the team um, everyone looks uncertain and hesitant and that's rubbing off a mutter and it's probably the same on the training ground you know, on the training ground, people are going to be, that, that that lack of confidence is going to be obvious. So he's just he's just a player who um who unfortunately is probably very much a victim of his circumstances to a certain extent at the moment. I.e., he's coming to a new league into a team that's poor. I would like to see him make more runs behind the back four. I mean, his pace is supposed to be his strongest asset, and he just doesn't do it. He did it at Man United. Um, you know, there was a couple of times against Brighton where Shelby would kept looking up, kept looking up, and and there was just no one making any run to, to try and push their back four back and I think once or twice Kennedy he did this at um, Palace as well when Rondon was kind of walking around for the first half injured supposedly um, where he just kind of plays the ball anyway to kind of try and make a point I think I honestly believe he does that where he's just like how oh, I like look at you're supposed to run onto that ball that's the idea and then we'll win a throw in or Perez can compete for the second ball Muto just seems to be going for headers and losing them so his Newcastle career really hasn't got going, but then the season hasn't got going full stop, so maybe I'm being a bit harsh. Um, to finish off, because bizarrely, Norman, we've, we've done 48 minutes so far, which is incredible for this, uh, <laughs> this alleged game of football that took place yesterday. Um, just really quickly, I, I forgot to mention earlier on the protest stuff that Rafa was asked after the game um, about the protests, and he quite obviously said that he needs the fans in the stadium for 90 minutes. I think it's a really disingenuous question to ask him, um, certainly now, because mm-hmm. um, what else is he supposed to He was supposed to say, I back the fans 100%. They should protest against this football club. He'd be sacked for gross misconduct, probably not receive a penny. Um, I just think it's a ridiculous question. Ask him then to report the answer like it's some sort of... Um, don't you know? Almost like a, an anti-protest thing. Again, it makes me wonder which side these people are on. Um, uh, who the fuck put? It's almost like Keith Bishop yeah. just asked the question. It's like he was the journalist. Exactly. You know what I mean? And uh, but, you know, on Rafa, you know, we we'll, we we'll love him here. I think he's a fantastic manager. I never want him to leave, but he is leaving. Um, and the, the sooner some people accept that, the better. There's no, there's no longer if Rafa goes, I go. It's, it, it's when Rafa goes, I go. Um, He's not gonna the, the the issue that we have at the minute with Mike Ashley is much bigger than Rafa Benitez. As much as I love Rafa and I understand Rafa Benitez's sole constant you know, sole aim is to keep this club up this season and then that's him done. Um we'll have to think much much more longer term. What about the next five, ten years? What about another eleven years of this? Do you want your kids? Do you want your family? Do you want your friends? Do you want to go through another eleven years of this? Um and to do things that the manager says I just it's very short term in my opinion um, but that you know again that's just my opinion I don't, I don't blame you if you if you want to stick with that or you know you think I'm wrong and, and, and you think that we'll have to we'll have to back the manager with whatever he says that's that's understandable um, Norman uh, are you coming home for Watford I say home you live you, you live in London but um, are you coming to Newcastle for Watford 
I'm um, I'm Satya debating it. Give me 24 hours to make the decision, mate. Right now, I just um, given how un fucking believably dull yesterday's match was. Um, I'm just like I'm just con- contemplating wrapping football in all together and taking up crown game bowling. <laughs> I just fucking. I just genuinely, I just genuinely don't know, mate. I genuinely don't know at the minute. Like it's, the reality is, like for me, it's it's at least a couple hundred yeah. quid. You know what I mean? That the return, and I've I've just done Southampton. I was EM last week. Um, I can't. I'm going to the next away match. I think so. It's it's a, it's just a decision. I'll I'll let let me I'll console my wife and get back to you How about that. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but your thoughts. You know, right now, you know, if I put you on the spot, do you think we'll get a win against Watford? Oh, of course we are three note. Um, no, uh, it, it's the, you know what it is. The thing is, it's like we have to win at some point. We're not going to go through the season not winning a game. So the ha- this win has to come. Um, in Watford and Bournemouth at home are two matches that you know we could and should be looking to pick up six points in. But we're so poor at the minute, and they're two very good sides. They both spanked their respective opposition yesterday. They both they've got dynamic, quick players and. You kind of looking at us now, and you're thinking, how, how, like, how do we beat them? How are we even capable of beating these sides? You know what I mean? That, that's the problem. But it'll get to Thursday and Friday. We'll attack the it again. You know, we'll start getting more. Well, the optimism levels will, will climb up because we're idiots. Um, and 24 hours before the match, I'll be seeing. I course we're going to win. But right now, right now, I just I cannot see how we're capable of beating these sides. I cannot see it, mate. I, I don't know what you what you feel. I'm the same as you. I'm thinking, well, let, let alone win, how we're going to score a goal. <laughs> And then it's the usual thing, and we uh, talked about this on the um, the tactical show we did for parents, and also I think on the, you touched on the match preview for parents through the week, was that um, it's a long, my biggest criticism of Raf would be, it's a long-standing problem that when we go go behind, normally, I think it's only uh, West Ham and Brighton in the Championship, when we go go behind, even when we had a good team in the Championship, we don't come back from it. So that's that's the worry for me in in. That's that's why it's so mental that Mark Hughes set up so defensively in the first half yesterday. Um, if I'm Brighton or, or Watford, or if I'm either of those managers, I'm saying get into these early fucking doors because you get a goal, they're not coming back from it. Um, and I, I don't know how to counter that. And I know that the, the, the stadium will be nervous if it's 15 minutes in 0-0. Um, never, never mind 75 minutes in 0-0 or 0-1 or 0-2. And... Um, you look at Leicester's struggles this season. Obviously, it's a, a horrible thing that's happened last night with, with Leicester City, and I'm sure the thoughts of everyone listening are, are with uh, the families of the people affected. But Leicester's season um, performances—they they literally strolled to a two-nil win at St James's Park, and I think Watford and Bournemouth are both better than Leicester. So I'm not confident, mm-hmm. but you know, a couple of pints before the match. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't think we've done a match preview this season for, for parents that we've not predicted a winner. <laughs> so obviously, as the week goes on, something just happens. It's like a chemical reaction in the brain, which is just like we'll beat these man. Um, <laughs> and uh, aye, we'll see. We'll see. All I can say is we'll see. You know, it's one of those games where you take a point now because they're in such good form. But points are no good. Well, we need to win. Um, I just, I just crave exactly. that that Saturday night feeling at five o'clock. Of despite like having plans of going home, and when you've won a game, all the lads are like, "How I come for a couple?" Like I miss that so badly. Um, I miss that you know, miss scoring goals and watching football, but I miss that immediate post-game elation of uh, of winning football matches in James's Park, especially. So it's going to happen sometime. We'll beat someone. <laughs> um, we're not. We're not. We're, we're far from the worst team you know in Premier League history. Like 
you know, I saw a tweet, um, I think it was from by, by the minute NUFC saying the worst Derby team ever by this point at five points from ten games, though the caveat to that is the, the hard played Allardyce's Newcastle. We would be Allardyce's Newcastle now, so that's <laughs> not much comfort. Um, but anyway, this has been the True Faith Podcast, 54 minutes there. Uh, well done if you've made it to the end. Uh, we'll be back for you next <laughs> Sunday uh, after Norman's 3 0 win against Watford. Cheers. Way aye.